This episode is brought to you by Watchman Cigars, Operation Decisive Victory, Webmerized, and Free Lunch Coffee. Go to freelunchcoffee.com, use promo code SOUTHERNFRIED, and get 10% off your order. freelunchcoffee.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, where it is our take on life, liberty, and the pursuit of gravy. And you, the listener, are invited to come up on the front porch, grab a beverage, and stay well. We've got a great show lined up for you, as always. But before we begin, let me introduce you to our starting lineup. At the bottom of the screen, thank you, Zoom, is going to be uh, Magic Man running our Facebook Live and our YouTube Live and running the chat. What's up, Magic Man? Hey, what's up, everybody? How's everyone doing tonight? Fantastic. You look like we fumbled out of the gate. Everything okay? Yeah, they just didn't hear who we're sponsored by. So yeah. if you want to go through that again, or if we can not, doesn't matter. Washman Cigars, Operation Decisive Victory, and Webmerized, and Free Lunch Coffee. Use promo code SOUTHERNFRIED at FreeLunchCoffee.com. Use promo code SOUTHERNFRIED at FreeLunchCoffee.com to get 10% off your order. There you go. How about that? We can we get it? <laughs> We got All it. All right. <laughs> Producer Brian, how you be doing? Uh, I'll be doing better than uh, Magic Man, apparently. So. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, one of these days, we're going to be able to fly out of the gate and do an awesome show. One of these days. <laughs> yeah. Don't drink in podcast, guys. Hey. And I haven't even started yet. <laughs> oh, oh, Lord. You know that laugh. That's going to get us in trouble. Hey, this may be your first time tuning in, and we really appreciate it. If you have stumbled across uh, Southern Fried Philosophy, we uh, we appreciate it. First time listening, you say, "What's the show about?" Listen, it's our take on on our opinions, our perspectives, mainly from a Southern culture. We get to pull back the curtain and kind of show show the uh, the not so Facebook side of our lives sometimes, and then sometimes it's just funny. And then we'll uh, share some wacky news and just have a guest and hear their stories. I'm really excited about our guest tonight, Peggy No Stevens. Um, man, this is this is some bourbon royalty coming on the show. I'm excited about that. Uh, Producer Brian, where can people find uh, find us on these socials and the interwebs? Yes, we are all over the interwebs. Uh, Facebook at Southern Fried Philosophy, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and I believe TikTok. At SFP Radio, don't stop. We- so if uh, if yeah, I don't know what's going to sh- show up there yet, but uh, you can you know, sign in and maybe you'll get a, a sneak preview at Biggins Next DRE. Uh, you can always email us at sfpradio at gmail dot com. Uh, make sure you check us out on Patreon. We'd love your support. Patreon dot com slash sfpradio. Uh, podcast is on iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Google Play. Which is it? Google Music. I'm not Google guy. Uh, so. Google Play. Yeah. We're everywhere, all over the world. We but you already know man. that because you're listening to me talk. So, <laughs> uh, the one thing about our show is we do not have millions and millions of dollars. We have like a buck fifty uh, mm. to really spend on advertising. So we have to rely on our good looks, which that's not doing very good. Uh, or uh, you, the listener, and you guys are the most effective. So please, 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 we just ask you if you listen to the show. Just go, you know, subscribe, like, 
uh, tell your friends about it, write a review. That would really help us move up on the algorithm charts. We are really trying to focus on getting more listeners so that we have more guests, better guests. Not that our our guests are bad, but the more people you have, right, the bigger names you can get. We don't get Joe Rogan quality guests. Quality is the bad word, but like level level. That's the, that's don't get the, the fancy celebrities yet. And, yet. We, you know, we could get some advertisers and possibly pass some discounts on along to our listeners for things Absolutely. they might be interested in. So, yeah. Oh, that's a great way to talk about it. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. You have PR. Yeah. Um, so we would really appreciate it. Also, YouTube. This is a huge thing. If you're listening on uh, the podcast, please go to YouTube and click subscribe. We need 100 uh subscribers watch the videos just play them at work they're work friendly so you don't have to do any you know uh oh you said a dirty word so uh producer brian does the little whistle stop whistle to edit those words out if if needed we keep it clean as possible (laughs) (laughs) so you can play it at work you can play it wherever Uh, play it for the kids what have you um but we would really appreciate that we need to get those numbers up at least to 100 i would really like a thousand because i've been watching some of these YouTube live things and they're great. That really, listen, if we can really knock it out of the park there, we might be able to quit our jobs and do this full time. I mean, how would you like Southern fried every day? That would be crazy. So um, anyway, we need you guys to push, push, push. You are our advertising budget. So please make sure you like (laughs) subscribe, tell your friends, all that stuff. I'll give you a hat, something. I don't know. But we'll figure it out. We would really appreciate that. Uh, if you are staying at home and you want to do your own podcast and be part of, be part of the Southern Fried uh, Network, we would also love that. Shoot an email to producer Brian at headlines at SFP Radio. That would be awesome. Next week, we have Karen Tibbles. She has a book, Persuade, Don't Preach, Restoring Civility Across the Political Divide. Mm. Now, that is a topic. That That is a long title but oh what a topic let me let me reach over here I look and forward to it boom oh paper copy. right there yeah so she's on the, she's on the show next week wow. an actual author look she wrote a real book producer brian That's I, paper. I know I, oh there's no pictures there's no pictures I, oh, so i apologize oh, for a hard sell man it is a tough one so there's a coloring page in there you can make it all coloring pages. That's the oh, fun thing. I could draw my own pictures. Okay. No pop-ups? <laughs> um, no pop-ups. Man, <laughs> by the way, my kid loves pop-ups. Um, also, we still need listeners. Guess where? North Dakota, Alaska, mm. and Vermont. Now, listen, I had, I had a line on somebody listening in Vermont this week, and it did not happen. So mm. I'm a little disappointed in that. Uh, I will say at the beginning of the week, I was... I was very frustrated at Alaska. So, so what I did is I went on the old good old Craigslist and I made a missed connection ad and just tried to promote the show saying, you know, we've, we've been around six years. Uh, we haven't ever met, but I feel like we would get along your beautiful tracks of land and your scenery. Please just listen to the show. We just need one person. That was on there for literally about four minutes and then it got flagged. So one thing I know about Alaska, they don't listen to our show and they're very serious about their misconnections on Craigslist. They don't play. So I'm going to try New Hampshire this week and see what happens. Uh, 
but we need we need listeners from that. Just say you so, need like some maple syrup or something. Like yeah, we'll we need to looking for the good stuff. Who can hook me up? Oh, you know, you know oh, what I'm saying? Bright idea. Uh, we'll TikTok something about maple syrup. Right there, we go. Like bashing there, it or something, right? Or there maybe you go, not. Hampshire. I don't know. Uh, all right, so you know, I kind of went out for the order. Let me ask you guys again. How you been doing? Producer Brian, I noticed you said that you had something you want to talk about on how you been doing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as most folks who listen know, you know, I, I work from home, as most of us do now. I'm self employed, but my kids are both here all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we have, we've got some good rhythms going, but I, I think both of my children are going to end up in like law school, like criminal mm-hmm. defense lawyers or, uh, labor lawyers, perhaps that would be awesome. they're really learning how to work the systems that we've got set aside here. Right. So I have a four and a half year old boy. Okay. Um, and so we, you know, I'm really strict. Our family's really strict about screens and what they're allowed to watch when they're mm-hmm. allowed to watch all that kind of stuff, but they both have an iPad and they give time. They're allowed to play on that. So we, we have what we call educational screen time and then regular screen, screen time. Okay. Fun screen time. So there's fun. You can watch this movie, whatever you want to do. You know, and that's all time controlled. You know, I'm a Nazi about that stuff. Okay. But my son today, you know, I'm busy doing something and he, you know, it's like after whatever time it was, it was time for him to do the educational quote. So he, mm-hmm. goes, I, he goes, he told me what he was going to do. And it's like, okay, I'm working, whatever. And then like 30 seconds later, he, he has the iPad and he shows me what he's planning on doing during his educational screen time. And okay. I go, whoa, 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 whoa. That's. Angry Birds Racing. He goes, but dad, I'm going to learn to drive. Oh. <laughs> okay. Because he's learning something, right? Okay. No, that's, I'm sorry. <laughs> nice track, kid. Yeah. Just, no. <laughs> I was like, that Ooh. almost happened. Like, I was so, like, just not paying attention. Because, you know, sometimes as parents, just right. like, okay, whatever you say, you know, go do what you yeah. want to do. <laughs> but he totally is milking the learning part of screen time. Okay. Well, there you go. Speaking of driving, <laughs> oh. my, um, I've been doing big brothers, big sisters for gosh, about four five years now. And so he is now 16 mm. and in driving and mom said, I need you to teach him how to drive because I don't trust myself. He he looked at me and said, "Please, Lord, teach me how to drive because I don't trust my mom." So, so at that point, I'm like, "All right, check, gotcha." So, um, we have a little '01 Honda Civic, and uh, man, I've tried to kill that thing. I've it's a tried sweet to, ride. you know, bury it. I tried to do all kinds of things, and it will not, um, it will not go away. So, but he he's buying. Let me use buying the car from us. And he, he's also learning how to drive with it. And it's an old car. You know, it doesn't run the greatest. I call it the grandma car. You've got to treat it like a grandma. Mm. Um, but, man, we went for a drive, and it was the first time at night. Y'all, I thought I puckered up for that DRE. <laughs> I, my bum hurt because I was so scared. It's like, I don't know. And I didn't know the roads, you know, and it was like, you know, twisting all over the place. I was so scared. <laughs> I thought I, thought we were going to die. It was it was not a fun time. So wow. 
but he's he's getting better. I mean, he's a good driver. I trust him. We haven't done the interstate yet. God help me when that happens. I remember so. when I was doing driver's ed, mm-hmm. I was in, you know, back in the, this is the mid nineties, did two at a time. So like me and a, and a girl I went to high school with were both in the mm-hmm. car. She was driving and we go to pull in the interstate. And this is the only time in my life I've ever seen this happen, but someone was backing up the on ramp towards us. I've seen that happen. Like, okay. like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is, yeah. Uh, I I have seen people I've seen going on the on ramp or off ramp what on ramp it was um uh, you know you get up to the uh, sorry it was the off ramp you hit the stoplight and when the stoplight happened you know they stopped there but their tire kept going across the road <laughs> the whole <laughs> car's scooped, and like the tire was get rolling across you're like oh Uh-oh, that's not good um so anyway. Uh, Ryan, you got anything else to you want to add? Talk about? <laughs> uh, congratulations to uh, Cletus McFarland, one of my uh, YouTube favorites that I watch. Uh, they're doing their first. Uh, to make a long story short, they bought a an abandoned racetrack in uh, Bradenton, Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's known as the DeSoto Speedway, and um, they bought it in January of last year, right before COVID hit, and. Um, they're they're doing their very first uh, soft opening launch event tonight. Very cool. Uh, awesome. Tonight being Thursday, uh, for those that'll be listening to this on the uh, over the podcast. And uh, so, anyways, they're they're doing their first event. Uh, and uh, so, congratulations to them. I wish I could be there, but that, that's a little bit of a drive from Charlotte. So, <laughs> yeah, it's sure. a scary time to invest in a public entertainment, right? <laughs> exactly, because they were intending on doing stuff last year, yeah. and of course. So they they made up with it. They did a couple of races, and then they they uh, live streamed it, um, and they they sold tickets to the live stream. So they were able to okay. do a few things last year. That's cool. um, but this year they're actually able to do uh, public events. They're, they're doing it res- social distancing and limiting the amount of people that can be there, et cetera. But um, they're actually able to to do some stuff now. Oh, so I just had the live stream. I just had an idea for our TikTok channel. Okay, begin driving. With his big, as a little brother, mm-hmm. just you, just your, re- your reactions while he's driving the whole time. That's all we need. Okay. Like at the, everyone would watch that, right? <laughs> we can make that happen. We can make it happen. Hey, one thing I forgot to mention about our listeners. Uh, one of the things I love about the show is we get listeners from literally across all over the world. Um, and I got this Facebook message and I just wanted to share just how cool this is. There is a restaurant owner and, and my like Dutch, I don't know, the Netherlands that's close to Germany, I think, right, um, is really good on this. It's Alphonse Schultz. It's closer than here. great name? Wow. Alphonse Schultz. Um, so he you can't messaged, say that with a southern accent, can you? Alphonse Schultz. There it is. There it is. Schultz. Schultz. <laughs> <laughs> he messaged me and said... Uh, Hey, y'all, Alphonse, Alphonse Shapes uh, here, listening to you from the Netherlands, lived in Tombstone for a while, making Old West signs, and did some cowboying in Idaho. What? Uh, He said, but he fell in love with the South. Now I am an American restaurant owner back in Europe. If you ever have a few minutes, check out our site, www.theranchhouse.de. 
We have a lot of soldiers from the U.S. that are stationed here visiting us, and they feel really at home for a few hours. Thanks for a great podcast. Um, and man, how cool is that? We're getting listeners from the Netherlands, and they're just messaging us, and uh, we're kind of building a relationship with them. Uh, and I, by the way, I did check out his website, and bro, your your ribs look legit. I'm just saying. Uh, he's oh. got some good looking food on that one. So check it out. You know, it, I guess the, the numbers help him out at the ranch house dot D E. Um, but he, like he said that he made most of the, the metal signs and tombstone, which that sounds cool. And okay. then some cowboying in Idaho. So anyway, <laughs> he's living his best life. <laughs> I mean, he is man. So way to go. Alphonse shoots. Alphonse shoots. Um, so one of the things that I have been dialed into like none other is the this Wall Street bets thing again. And I know we talked about it last week because I've bought I've now bought books on how to invest in like Wall Street strategy and whatnot. And this week that's all that I've really done is, <laughs> is I'll come home or I come downstairs. There's some live streams that uh, that happen to talk about what to invest in for the day. Um, and I have been so dialed into this thing. It's crazy. I have lost, uh, not a, a ton of money on GameStop or AMC. I'm still, I think the, this whole wall street bets is kind of where all of those capital, uh, people went that wanted a, uh, raw against the man. I think that they just went to wall street bets <laughs> because they're still holding out. They're like, hold the line, stand strong. And I'm still holding out, man. I think that there's, and I am not a financial advisor. This is just for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> Evidently, you've got to say that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think where's the still, disclaimer at? That's what yeah. we need. The <laughs> uh, I think there's a lot of room still for GameStop and AMC. Um, so I, I've been stuck watching these YouTube videos, and I am now more obsessed than anything. I have, as the term that they use, doubled down on my on my love of Wall Street. So there was a a song that came out. And it's uh, Nitty Gritty has written the song, has performed the song, and it has been stuck in my head for a solid six days now. And uh, we're going to play it for you. We do have permission to play it. So, Producer Brian, to you, sir. Here we go. Wall Street is dead. I don't got paper hands. Sticking it to the man. I don't got paper hands. Hold the line and stand. Diamond hands, diamond hands, diamond hands. I got diamond hands, diamond hands, diamond hands. I got diamond hands, diamond hands, diamond hands. I got 
All right. So that song has been stuck in my head for the past six days. I cannot get it out, even if I wanted to. (laughs) I've tried and tried and tried. You know, that's that's impressive, I want to say, because that was what a week ago this story started Mm -hmm. coming out, right? Yeah. This is a music video. He's Bruce Song done a music video, like with animations and everything. Like it's pretty, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny, but he's, for those of you who didn't see the video, we'll put that video in our show notes uh, on YouTube, but he's dancing in front of a GameStop with a bottle of champagne and like an AMC theater. And there's like these little diamond like animations coming down mm-hmm. the screen and stuff. It's, it, it's pretty well done for a week, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, right. you know, those that don't know what diamond hands are, it's just like the phrase that they use of we're not we're not going to sell. We're not not going to let go. And then paper hands are people that have sold out and, you know, took in the cash and, and gone. But man, I'm telling you, like just hearing some of the stories, this guy um, made a good chunk of money on GameStop, bought six Nintendo switches and then gave them to a children's hospital. Um, it, you know, so some of these people are doing some really cool stuff with their profits. Uh, what they call the tendies, by the way, they're tenders. Uh, there's a whole lingo out there. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, I need a dictionary for that. Yeah, no, there is. And then, is there, uh, there an urban Wall Street dictionary or something oh, like that? We should make one. There you go. And we'll put it under our um, dictionary on the southernfried.com. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing, too, that I thought was cool, he mentioned JJ at the beginning of it. Um, he said, shout out to JJ. And it's a reference to JJ Buckner. And this dude has gone from, I mean, he, he's pretty well known, but he's doing YouTube live videos that are now getting like 14, 15,000 viewers at a time. At one point, I think it was like 22,000. Um, and he's, he's, he's a guy that I really, really respect about how he, he does his, um, investments and it's more like long-term stuff, but, uh, I have a ton of respect for JJ. He quit his job. He's got an amazing story. And I've reached out to him. He's going to try to come on the show uh, later this year. So um, hopefully cool. we'll get J.J. Buckner on. And again, we'll go back to Needy Gritty with his song when he comes back on. That'll be his walk-up song. So anyway, I'm really excited about having J.J. on. I think that'd be really cool. So anyway, I have been stuck in Wall Street land this week. <laughs> you know who hasn't been stuck in Wall Street land? Screech. Mm. Screech um, from Saved by the Bell, R.I.P. Screech. Three months, um, he found out three months ago that he had lung cancer and then passed away. Man. Uh, Yeah, that's a pretty Did you guys watch Saved by the Bell? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love Screech. He was was one of my favorites. He was on TBS all day, every day, I feel like. (laughs) Sure. Now, all right, let's, let's be real. Let's be honest. Who did you have the crush on? Let's go oh, around the table. No. Who did you have the crush on? I know. Don't. It's just us. Nobody's listening. Uh. Well, I mean, it's 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 pretty easy, right? It's like I, I'm trying to remember the name. Was it there's, was there's Kelly? A, Kelly Kapowski. Kelly was the Jesse was Spano, Tiffany Amber Thyssen, and, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That would. I mean, that's the one, right? Uh, Surely. There's Jesse Spano. She was the mm-hmm. tall one, the tall nerdy one, and then Lisa, Lisa Turtle, and she was the uh, the fashionista. So you're saying Kelly, yeah. Brian would say you. Oh, it was a tie between probably Kelly and Lisa. They were yes, both. thank you. There was a tie for me. 
But mm-hmm. I have to say my all-time was Winnie Cooper. Ooh. <laughs> she's, she's not on the board, but okay. <laughs> I know, but I had to throw that in there. That's so, funny. Yeah. So RIP Screech. Um, yeah. Super Bowl. Producer Brian, you want to talk about that? The Super Bowl. Is that still mm-hmm. happening this year? Is that, Evidently. Um, Evidently it's happening. <laughs> you know, this is one of those years. You know, I, I love football. I'm a, I'm a big football fan, big 49er fan. It, this is one of those years like it's just this is like the most boring matchup to me. Mm-hmm. Like the Chiefs were good all year. There was I think everyone knew they were going to be in the whole time. Yeah. And then, you know, Tom Brady show, you know, goes to a new team and turns them around apparently. Uh it, my, my all my thoughts are about like you know everyone questioned whether he was the goat or was, you know he had a bunch of yeah. wins in New England. Was it Belichick? Was it Brady? This season kind of solidified that right towards the Tom Brady thing. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Yeah, he basically took over the whole team. He did what Peyton Manning did in Denver several years ago. He he walked in and said, "Okay, this is my team. Yeah, it's not the coach's team. It's not the general manager's team. Let's go get this wide receiver. Let's bring in this Rob Gronkowski out of retirement or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. you know, and it was a slow start, but." But they pulled it out. Here they are. You know, it's what, how, how many, seven or eight times he's been there? Yeah, I, I have right. no idea. I kind of want him to lose just because he's yeah. too pretty. Right. There's that. There's, you know, like my wife's a Steeler fan and they hate, they hate sure. Tom Brady. And I've, I've got past like the, at this point, it's like, how are you still doing this? <laughs> I, just I just retire don't believe already. it anymore. You're so old. I think uh, Kansas City's best chance is to bring Eli Manning out of retirement and let him play because he's the only one that's ever beat. You should just have the old um, man bowl. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. We are actually, our guest is online, and we want to give her enough um, time. So we are going to go ahead and bring her, her on, and we'll uh, kind of get this thing rolling. And now, our feature presentation. All right. So we have with us, um, unfortunately not in studio, but on the uh, Zoom hotline, we have Miss Peggy <laughs> No Stevens, uh, the first female master bourbon taster, the author of Which Fork Do I Use With My Bourbon? And by goodness, all, in all accounts, this is bourbon royalty. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Stevens, for coming up. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Very yes, kind. Ma'am. Tell my husband that. Absolutely. Bourbon royalty. You, you I'd like can him bring, to know that. <laughs> you can bring him in. I'll tell him to his face. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, well, uh, Miss No Stevens, can I call you Peggy for the interview? Absolutely. We're family, right? So it's okay. That's right. Bourbon uh, family. Well, Peggy, I have my biggest question to you tonight is, is this. What has happened to our University of Kentucky Wildcat basketball team? <laughs> oh, boy. You did read about me. You know I bleed blue for UK and uh, it's just been a tough year. Can we just blanket it and just say it's been a tough year for all athletes. Yes, ma'am. And maybe this, you know, for 2020 was tough and you know, they sure has had uh, some challenges this year, but I have faith in the cats. They'll come back. Absolutely. I'm, I went to school at Campbellsville university. Oh, you uh, did. Okay. When I came out of, uh, when I was born, the first thing that was put on me was a UK onesie. Uh, my, my dad and mom was from Louisville and I have bled blue my entire life. And this year is painful. It hurts so much. 
It does. You know, oddly enough, my dad was an avid. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and my dad was an avid U of L fan. And mm-hmm. he was heartbroken when I told him that I wanted to go away to college. That was one big deal to go away to college, just to Lexington. <laughs> and uh, he was heartbroken that I went to the Wildcats. And I never regretted it ever. I, I was the best time of my life. I, uh, we'll, we'll make trips back up. My grandma still lives in Campbellsville, aunt and uncle in Louisville. Uh, and we'll still go up and, and we'll, you know, pass by Rupp Arena. And I just, you know, sometimes I have to just stop and put my hand on it and thank the good Lord. I'm a Cats fan. <laughs> That's <laughs> this year, right. That's this year right. stuff. Exactly. Yes, ma'am. Well, um, tell us a little bit about your story. Again, we've talked about, um, talked about the first female master bourbon taster. What happened after you graduated from the University of Kentucky? Well, the biggest thing that happened when I graduated that takes me back a bit is I could not find a job. Uh, I think that, you know, I I graduated with a a great GPA and, you know, president of my sorority and just had, you know, really beefed up my resume and I could not find a job to save my life. And uh, so ironically, you know, I had an internship in school at Hyatt Hotel in Lexington. Okay. And and then I ended up, you know, just kind of going in and, and asking for an interview uh, with the Hyatt Regency in Louisville because I had moved back home. And uh, I was hired as a catering and convention services manager. And I have never in my life worked so hard. Um, I, I probably averaged 60 to 70 hours a week. And, you know, all hours of the day, I could be at the hotel at midnight doing an event. I could be there at 4 a.m. setting up for a breakfast meeting. Um, it was boot camp. <laughs> but I have to tell you, it was boot camp for hospitality. And now looking back, it really laid my foundation on mm-hmm. entertaining and hospitality. And it taught me all about wine and spirits. And, you know, I really learned food and beverage from from kind of the ground up. Uh, and then, you know, gosh, I, and then I ended up working at the Hyatt in Chicago. Uh, and so my big dream at that point was to be a general manager of a hotel. I thought that would be really cool. Maybe like Maui. Um, <laughs> you know? And uh, then before I could really kind of take off with the hotel business, because I did move into sales and PR and all of that, uh, Brown Foreman, which uh, makes, of course, Jack Daniels Woodford Reserve, which I think we might be tasting tonight. Yes, um, they actually headhunted. And they were uh, starting up kind of a a meeting planning, event planning department, and had asked me to be in charge of it. So, of course, you know, working for a big company was very attractive to me, uh, hopefully less hours than I was doing at the hotel. And I I wet my appetite, you know, to whiskey. And that's where I really started. So that's when your love of bourbon started. Is that fair? Well, now that I will not say. My my love of bourbon uh, probably started, and I hate to say that, growing up um, in sure. Kentucky. I yeah. mean, it's almost through yeah. osmosis that you, you know, have bourbon in your eggnog at Christmas. They put it and, in your baby bottle, right? Is that what yeah, I Yeah, exactly. Right. Rub it on your gums, you know, yeah. teething. Um, but gosh, I remember my mother drinking highballs, you know, growing up. And I know that smell. And I'd drive downtown with my mother to the dentist office and you could smell the mash. Mm-hmm. in the air from the different, you know, distilleries. Uh, so I really 
really kind of grew up with it. And uh, through college, we were talking about UK. You know, I was looking at the big tumbler cups that we take to the football games when you in the good old days when you could walk in with your whiskey. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've always had a love for mm. bourbon, but I might not have had the appreciation for it. Mm. And that I learned, um, you know, while while I was working in a company. And how was it um, to to one go back to Kentucky after being in Chicago and then being part of Brown Foreman and being near those distilleries that you grew up around, right? Yeah, well, I tell you, I think going to Chicago was probably the best thing that this Kentucky girl ever did because <laughs> uh, it made me grow up. Mm. And what I mean by that is, you know, in, in Louisville, for example, I could drive anywhere 20 minutes and get to where I'm going. And you know, Chicago was a daunting big city for me. Mm-hmm. And the people were not just like me. Um, you know, they were from all over and uh, different cultures, different uh, backdrops and languages. And uh, so I learned, I learned so much about uh, people and, and the clients that we had and the conventions that came in. And wow. it just kind of elevated my senses uh, for professionalism. So it grew me. I, I'll say it really grew me where boot camp was in the hotel business. And I learned all the nuts and bolts of hospitality, you know, Chicago kind of made me grow up. Hmm. And so when I came back, uh, to Kentucky, you know, I felt really prepared. I felt really prepared to take on, you know, a corporate job. Hmm. That's really cool. It's, it's almost like building blocks. It feels like. It, it was. I mean, for me, it was. I mean, I'll never forget, honestly, uh, one of the women in Chicago at the hotel that took me under her wing. I mean, I did not dress well. I did not carry myself very well. And she took me under her wing and kind of groomed me and took me shopping and, you know, kind of had me dress professional and uh, things that I really didn't pay attention to um, because I was so young, I was in my twenties and, you know, fresh out of college, you're, you're still wearing your college clothes. And so it was, it was a good learning experience. And to this day, I have very, very cherished memories and Chicago is one of my favorite places to visit to this Mm. day because of that. I'm 43 and I'm wearing a hoodie tonight. So (laughs) I understand (laughs) that. Um, so you've lived several places. You lived Chicago, I think even Atlanta, correct? Yes. Yeah. And then Louisville, Lexington. What's been your favorite? Well, I have to say Kentucky, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, because my husband and I, we did live in Atlanta for a short period of time. We lived in Chicago for a short period of time. And, you know, of course, I lived in Lexington, but, you know, that's Kentucky. But always, I mean, always with a heart for my state, uh, for Kentucky. In fact, our big wrestling match uh, that my husband and I talked about during the shutdown. Cause we were like, you know, this is a perfect opportunity to talk about what do we want to do when we retire one day? Where do we want to live? Do we want to, you know, sell our house and buy a house someplace else in Florida or wherever. And do you know what we came up with was that we really want to be here in mm-hmm. Kentucky. I mean, it is our home, but it's so much more than that. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. And, and, you know, I, I really don't have any desire to live anywhere else in the world. Um, that's my dream is it, my wife's from Georgia. Um, her family's oh, in Georgia. She? Okay. she is. We were in Marietta. We were in okay. Marietta. Yep. She, she's lived in Cordial, which is like an hour and a half North of Florida. Okay. Um, so way down South. And yeah. so we can't go any further North than Charlotte. I'm, that's where I'm, I'm, we're at now. 
But my <laughs> my dream is to get back to Kentucky. That's where I want to retire. I want to like work at some of the distillery and just live there, there the rest of my life. That's right. <laughs> we had we had, uh, and I don't know if you're familiar with Kentucky Sports Radio. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We had Ryan Lemon on, and and we were talking about Kentucky as well. And I was like, and I asked Ryan, and I'll ask you as well. Like, what is it about Kentucky that just makes you feel like this is home? I've I've lived in uh, Florida, St. Louis, Houston, Kentucky. Uh, but there's never been a place where it just feels like home. What is it do you think about Kentucky that does that? You know, I think it's, um, you know, definitely considered Southern, right? I think that Southern hospitality rings true. Uh, It's a very friendly state, Mm -hmm. a very welcoming state. In fact, you know, so much so that, you know, I work with so many uh, distilleries outside of the U outside of Kentucky, you know, across the U S and I help build their distilleries or visitor center experiences, or I write their tasting program or their scripts for their tour guides or, you know, whatever the case might be. And when they're just deciding what to do, um, if it's in Pennsylvania or New York or whatever, they come to Kentucky to train Mm -hmm. and they come and meet with our distillers and they meet with the Kentucky Distillers Association. And the feedback hands down that I always get is they can't believe how gracious Everybody is to help them. I mean, here they are going to start a distillery in an opposite state, which should we should look at it as a competitor, uh, but we don't. And, you know, kind of that rising tide raises all ships. And so I think it's just a very friendly, welcoming uh, state. And it's a beautiful state. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's the bluegrass, if you will. And the the wonderful thoroughbred horse farms that are dotted across the state. Um, It's a very cherished culture. The food is uh, dynamic uh, as far as our chef and our culinary scene. So I'm, I'm just very proud of what we have to offer. And, of course, the pinnacle every year, if you've never been to the Derby, uh, the Kentucky Derby, uh, it's a bucket list. It is absolutely a bucket list experience. The, well, this is a question that we'll ask later about hot browns, but the best that I've ever had was at Churchill Downs. Oh, it was so good. Like, I still dream about that thing. <laughs> you know, the Brown Hotel uh, here in Louisville was the one that created the Brown. Mm-hmm. The hot uh, Brown. Yeah. I, I, that one just floored me. I don't know what it was, but by goodness, yeah. it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, so let's talk about being a, a master bourbon taster. What exactly <laughs> is a master bourbon taster? Well, you know, it can mean a lot of things because we're not like the wine culture where you have your sommeliers that you're testing and, you know, uh, have to understand all the geography of the world and all of those. You know, it's not that formal. Uh, It's a very hands-on experience and and training. And so I'll say that as well to be a master distiller, a master blender, a master taster, you know, call it what you will. But it's, it's really when the distillery... Uh, and the master distiller decides that you're ready to train, that you have mm-hmm. a good palate. And at that time, uh, I was working at the Woodford Reserve Distillery. And Lincoln Henderson, who's an icon in the industry, mm-hmm. uh, or was, he's, he's unfortunately passed away. But uh, he was the master distiller at the time at Woodford. And he thought I had a great palate. And I was a foodie, which <laughs> I'm sure you can relate to. Yes, and ma'am. he was a foodie. So when I would taste my bourbon, I wouldn't just say, oh, I taste caramel. 
you know, I'd say, wow, this is really kind of creme brulee like, you know, and he would kind of look at me because I would use this vocabulary, this food vocabulary. Um, and so then the general manager at the time said, Peggy, we really think that you have a lot of aptitude and we'd love for you to formally train. So what that meant is that I followed the master distiller around and he trained me, you know, from going into the lab to going into the distillery and drilling barrels and pulling samples and, you know, all of those things. So what I was able to do with that is barrel tastings, um, you know, and that's what I'm saying, pulling samples from the barrel, quality control. Uh, I would travel uh, on behalf of the company as an ambassador and uh, do training for tastings and audiences. And so it let me do a myriad of things. Mm -hmm. And that was that was really fascinating because that one training I didn't realize would carry me all the way through my career. Wow. And it has. That's amazing. It has literally carried me all the way through my career. I I realized because uh, producer Brian just messaged me and said you are hogging up all the time. So I would like to <laughs> to let you guys give you guys opportunity as well to please ask any questions because I realized I am asking them all. Well, sure, just let me know what they chat in. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean that my question was going to be how do you get to be like. Like, where do you sign up for that? You know, <laughs> how does someone who is not affiliated with a distillery go, right. how do I train my palate that way? Because when you said, you know, I've been, I've been drinking bourbon longer than I probably should have, but I didn't realize how, what I was doing, you know, like I've been, mm -hmm. since I was in my, like, probably 23, I started drinking bourbon and my wife told me, like, it's like you're like an old man, basically. Because who, at that time, this was 17 years ago, bourbon wasn't as in as it is now that's that's right and that's she's like right. you know i was drinking mm -hmm. scotch and bourbon as a uh -huh. mid 20 year old she's like you're you know that's an right. old man thing right <laughs> well you know part. that's really one of the catalysts of why i wrote my book uh which fork do i use with my bourbon because you know i felt like i needed to culminate 30 years of my experiences in the industry and so in the book it, it really just tells you, you don't have to be an expert, you know, to enjoy it and to learn some of the techniques that we know uh, and tricks of the trade, I call it, uh, so that you can enjoy it in your own home. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that is, is really important, and that's why I'll just kind of hold my glass while I talk about it, <laughs> is, you know, the way we judge a whiskey. I'm, I'm a whiskey no, no. reviewer. Uh, for American Whiskey Magazine. So I rate about 25 whiskeys a quarter in blind oh, wow. tastings. And wow. so these are just some of the things, you know, instead of really, you know, again, like wine folks that stick their nose down in there, you know, your olfactory senses get overwhelmed because of the alcohol fume. So you actually have a better chance of identifying when you take it to the side and then keep your mouth a little bit open because that air will circulate in your olfactory and through it almost circulates and you can have a better sensory by nosing it. So that, that was one thing I learned. Another trick is I actually put my finger in the glass sometimes and put a couple drops in my hand and rub my hands together oh, really sharp. That. Okay. And then you get all the bready notes, the grain notes. Yeah. A lot of times I find you know, myself fresh at the end after I finish a glass is sniffing the glass like yes. afterwards. And like, and you know what? That's smart. Yeah. Uh, because the longer that it stays in the glass empty, 
you know, like that you can nose it and you mm-hmm. still smell it. That's a quality bourbon. Yeah. I think I had, uh, I think it was last weekend. I had a little bit of Blanton's in a glass and I was, and I've been to Buffalo trace and I'd done the tour and I'm smelling it. And in my head, I'm going, I remember walking through this place and I feel like I was yeah. smelling the Rick house when I was smelling yeah. the glass almost. Exactly. And then another technique we use is when you taste it, you know, and again, this is when you're trying to really identify the flavors and the character of the whiskey. Uh, so I wouldn't do this with a Manhattan, you know, uh, <laughs> I would take a sip and then I'd swallow it and then do this. Blow out. It blows out the alcohol and it's surround sound flavor in your mouth. Give it a try. Right. See what you think. And we are, uh, we are tasting, all of us have a Woodford Reserve Double Oak in honor of you, ma'am. Uh, because you worked there, uh, so we we are going to partake in that. And uh, all I could find was a fun size bottle. Was there bigger bottles of this stuff out there? Oh yeah, <laughs> look, I've got the I've got the big dude. Oh, how was this little guy? It's like a single single serving or something. I've you never actually never tried pack. this one. You have the purse pack size. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd be appropriate. <laughs> all right, I've never had that. this it's one before. Really, yeah, it's really interesting when you take a little sip of it and then blow out, it really allows, you know, your, your senses to come alive. Uh, and then I think of categories like fruit, spice, sweet, earth. Yeah. You know, if I were to say a sweet to this, mm-hmm. hands down vanilla, mm-hmm. right? Cause it's a double oak and caramel, really deep caramel note. Um, so it, you know, when you start to think in categories of flavors, it helps you identify and focus on it. Because so many people get overwhelmed. They're like, oh my gosh, I could never talk like you do or articulate what I'm tasting. And it's only because we forget that we like to eat. So it's all food memory. <laughs> right. It's all food. We all know, we all know what yeah. bananas taste like and yeah, this, cinnamon tastes like, and right? This The yeah. nose on this to me is banana bread a little bit. Absolutely. Like That's a tr- that is an absolute traditional knows like even like a, wal- like a walnut product. banana bread mm-hmm. almost in there that's absolutely i definitely get pecan but i'll tell you it has a lot of chocolate in it too i get a little chocolate and uh i oh, get wow. i get almost roasted nuts like smoky yeah. nuts yeah this is my first I mean, i've never i've i've only had woodford i think one time actually oh, it might really? have been that reserve you sent me something big and was it i got the distiller's cut uh, yeah. for this year that may be the only time woodford the master's I ever cut. actually drank which is this yeah. is, and i've had a lot of bourbon but for some yeah. reason i just had never picked up a bottle of woodford reserve and, yeah and it also has a nice spice kick to it uh that's a traditional woodford too has an has a high rye uh in the mash bill and mm-hmm. so um i definitely get some peppery notes and some baking spice i was so disappointed because earlier this week i burnt my tongue and I was oh, so boy. sad. I was like, I'm not going to be able to participate. So I've been trying to man up um, and just guzzle as much bourbon as I can to try to you know, heal this thing, to do whatever I can so I could do this. But um, yeah, I, I definitely also get like the, the vanilla and the, the, the banana bread. But it's always so funny to me is when somebody mentions something, then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what it tastes like. The and that's power of smelling. suggestion. It, it so yeah. much is. Um, even just, um, I recently read the book Pappy Land, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it just talks about even just the myth of of bourbons in general. 
And it's like, oh, the power of suggestion on that as well. Like, I got to get this bottle because so-and-so did this to it. So it's a, it's interesting about the power of suggestion on that. It is. And, and I do think that is true because sometimes I'll say, you know, what do you get on a fruit note? And somebody says, gosh, I just don't know. I can't identify. And I'm like, could it be banana bread? And they'll say, oh my gosh, it's banana bread. You know, yes, that is exactly. But everybody is different too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everybody has a different palate. And that's the beauty of the business is you taste what you enjoy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and that's how, that's what should lead you. Now, the one thing I will say, you know, when I'm doing a tasting, like for a big event or something like that, like in the good old days when we were, you know, had a bar, (laughs) you could come up and walk to. Um, and I would have several different styles of bourbon and people would walk up and they say, Oh, you're the master, you know, master taster. You, you decide what I should drink. What do you recommend? I Mm -hmm. said, well, tell me first, do you like spicy food? Do you like desserts? You know, do you like more smoky, you know, smoked meats and salamis and things like that? What do you like? And then once they tell me that they're, they're really surprised that I even asked that question. And then once they say, gosh, I really like sweet, then I'm going to direct them to a style of bourbon that has a heavy caramel, vanilla, you know, chocolate. Mm -hmm. If they say, oh, I really like spice, then I'm going to go for a rye, you know, high rye, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in something with baking spices like Woodford. I like all those things. What does that mean? Like, I like spicy. I like sweet. Then I'm going to mix them all together and blend them all together and stir it in a big bath. (laughs) I need a blended whiskey. That's what you're saying. All right. Yeah, I just need a blended whiskey. Yeah. Exactly. One of, one of the things that has helped me a lot recently is I've been using the tasting wheel and that really Good. has been able to be like, oh, okay, now at least I know, is it spicy or is it fruity? And at least it yeah. gets me in the ballpark. And I've really enjoyed doing that with, um, with the bourbons. Yeah. Was it the Woodford Reserve tasting wheel or a different one? Uh, it was a different one. I just pulled off the interwebs. Yeah. yeah. Does, does Woodford have their own? Well, I, I they do. Um, but I wrote when I was at Woodford, one of the books that I came out with, it was my uh, first book actually. And it was called the Woodford Reserve Culinary Cocktail Tour. Oh, And yeah. And so the chef in residence at the time was David Larson, who is still, in fact, I talked to him last week, still a very, very dear friend of mine. And we came up with one of the first flavor wheels uh, Hmm. that went inside the book because it had recipes and cocktails. And we wanted to teach people you know, about all the different flavors of Woodford. And of course it's evolved now. The, mm-hmm. the flavor wheel that they've developed uh, today has evolved, but that's why I was asked. Yeah. If, yeah. If this one has, one. uh, it's five categories. So there's a wood, yeah. a grain, a spice, a sweet, and then a fruit and floral. And they're all like divided into subcategories. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. So and, this, that's, and that's part of the book. That's part of yeah. my new book is that we break down all different kinds of flavors so that you can, it's not a wheel, you know, but it's all different Mm. flavors. So I call it the intensity scale. Mm. I just got your book today. It came uh, via Amazon. So yes, ma'am, I sure did. So I have not had a time to to actually go through it uh, intently, but my wife came down and she looked at it and she said, uh, turn to the chapter of Kentucky, uh, the Derby parties. And so we we walk through that because we always throw a derby party at our house as well. So she was uh, very interested in that. Absolutely. Um, so also too, I, I want to get to the the point of you also helped develop the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, that blows my mind. Like, 
<laughs> because that makes me old. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Uh, I don't know if you can see the screen, but I also have my little Kentucky bourbon oh, trail yeah. Great. little um, Great. thing. I've gone through it once, and I, it's been known on the show that sometimes I get emotional. But um, but I want you to know from the bottom of my heart is one of the best trips that I've ever taken in my life was I took uh, six friends. Uh, we went to uh, Kentucky. We stayed at the back end of uh, Churchill Downs, which I do not recommend doing. And we we went to, the, uh, we did the Kentucky Derby or the Kentucky Trail, the Bourbon Trail. And honestly, it was the best, one of the best times of my life. And thank you so much for putting that together. I, I loved it. I love taking people to the distilleries. Um, I, they noted like it's, it should be my side hustle <laughs> that I should be able to go, you know, do that a few times a year to, to go yeah. on that trail. It is the most remarkable thing. And thank you again from the bottom of my heart that you, you and others put that together. Cause that is amazing. I, I was able to showcase the, the, the beautiful landscape, just going through Versailles and going to Woodford. Uh, I mean, I couldn't hear more of, man, this place is so beautiful, man, this is amazing. Right. Um, right. and just being able to be proud and show off the state. Um, so thank you so much for that. Well, believe me, a lot of people have helped craft it sure. and build it. And so the story really, if you want to know when it started, I, w- I again, I was at Woodford Reserve. I was the director of guest services at the time. And uh, Maker's Mark had a director of guest services. Her name was Donna Nally, Steve Nally's wife. He's a famous uh, master distiller. And uh-huh. uh, Doris Calhoun from Jim Beam Distillery. And the three of us were all in the same boat. We had to build traffic and visitorship, mm-hmm. you know, at each of our distilleries. But we would see each other at different, you know, industry events and tourism conferences and things that we would do together. And we literally became fast friends. And so even though we were competitors, and this is this is how our, our industry is, you know, mm-hmm. the camaraderie of it all, we... Um, we enjoyed each other's company. We would talk about business and how to drive business. And we all decided we needed to cross market to each mm-hmm. other's facilities um, so that we could benefit from, you know, attracting larger groups. And then we thought, well, why don't we take this to the Kentucky Distillers Association and, you know, maybe connect all the other distilleries too, not just the three of us. And so they thought that it was a good idea. And the first brochure was created. And now we have what over a million visitors. I mean, it's just it's it's mind boggling to yeah. me that the trail was born from three women just trying to, you know, do their job. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, I'm very proud of it. And then yeah. when I started my own company uh, 13 years ago, the <clears throat> Kentucky Distillers Association came back to me and said, "Hey, you know, now that you have your own company and the trail is." you know, thriving and we need you to come back and write a, another five-year strategy of the direction. Like, how can we grow this? How can it be? So I had the privilege uh, to be involved in that second phase of, of growth. And that brought so many things um, that are new now to the Bourbon Trail. So I I really, it, it was really rewarding to see the, the growth of that. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. And, and, just know that it does impact people's lives. We, uh, even when we get together still 
who will remember that time when. And and honestly, those facilities and those um, tasting rooms and mm-hmm. just being able to visit, they're gorgeous. I mean, absolutely gorgeous. Um, the new Woodford Reserve area, that's gorgeous. So we were able mm-hmm. to visit there, I think, the second week that it opened. So we had such a good time. And man, it, it's phenomenal. So anybody that's interested, I would highly encourage you, hey, one, buy the book, Which Fork Do I Use With My Bourbon? And then two, go on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail because it, it will blow your mind. Well, I, I really love the fact, and I hope and I encourage people, I think there's like 63 or plus distilleries that you can actually visit now, (laughs) which is mind blowing to me. And um, I've been very fortunate now, not all these were in Kentucky, uh, but I have worked on 31 uh, distilleries. Yeah. So I I hope, you know, I don't know when that'll end that I'll quit working on them, but it's fun to watch them grow for me. You know, to see, oh my gosh, we launched here, like Lux Row is in Bardstown. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was maybe like four or five years ago, I think. And they're exploding in growth. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's I so exciting to I see. I love their stuff. So. Yeah. yeah. I do they've, too. Got, they've got good stuff. They're great people. Great people. You also cre- created the Bourbon Women's Association. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that? Yeah. Bourbon Women Association, I think. Honestly, I had that uh, in my head when I worked in, you know, the corporation of Brown Foreman, because traditionally speaking, the marketing dollars were always spent, you know, to the target market of, you know, white male between the age of X and Z. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, there was never any marketing done to women. And so I, I thought always to myself, my gosh, I'm such a loyal bourbon fan. And I have so many friends growing up in Kentucky who are just diehard bourbon drinkers, Mm -hmm. you know, female bourbon drinkers, Mm -hmm. but we're not, we're not talking to them. You Mm -hmm. know, we're not marketing to them and they're the other half of the population. So, you know, not much I could do with my time there, but once I started my own company, you know, that was a different story. And so I think I was in year two, maybe uh, of my company uh, when I said, you know, it's time. It's time. So I, I gathered, you know, a, a group of women and I said, Hey, I, I've got an idea. I think, I think really we need to bring women together. We need to have a voice in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to really build the bourbon franchise for women and what that looks like. And we need to help the industry understand to allocate marketing dollars, mm-hmm. you know, to, to start that conversation and bring women into the franchise because. Um, you know, we're missing a huge opportunity. So we did focus groups across Kentucky just to see if uh, women would gravitate to it. And it was a resounding yes, a resounding yes. So we thought, let's roll. So our first (laughs) event was uh, 2011 and we were at the governor's mansion and the first lady got up to speak and the president of the Kentucky Distillers Association got up to speak and um, it was really one of the best nights in my career. Wow. 75 women showed up, wow. which real, which I was surprised. I mean, 75 women signed up. They couldn't wait to come. And, and I should mention, because this was really pinnacle to me, because I still use this, this conversation uh, word, is that before I really launched it, I went and sat with Bill Samuels, you know, mm-hmm. who I've always, uh, who's kind of mentored me in a sense. And 
uh, I've always had such a great relationship with the Samuels. And I sat with Bill and I showed him our strategy and said, Bill, what do you think about this? Am I crazy? I mean, do you think, you know, that women will like this or do you think, you know, the bourbon industry, how will they, how will it be received? And he said, Peggy, this is, this is smart. He goes, we need to have, and he used the best word, a conversation, not market Mm. John, but let's have a conversation with them. Yeah. And, and so I've, that's the words I use a lot of times is, you know, we have to have a conversation with women. So this year is our 10 year anniversary. Wow. Congratulations. So we have been in business uh, for bourbon women and bourbon women is my passion. You know, it was okay. never my core business um, because my core business is building distilleries mm. and tastings and things. But um, 10 years later, I've got a passionate board. Uh, we have thousands of women that we reach in our communications, uh, you know, members across the U.S. We have uh, over 10 uh, formal branches in different cities. Okay. And it's mind-blowing, yeah. mind-blowing how the women have loved this. And what we're big on is we're a 501c6 because we wanted to help lobby, you know, okay. for the industry. Uh, but we're we're we put our stake in the ground on education, mm. you know, always learning something, having fun while we're doing it, mm-hmm. but always learning something. And I think that's been very important. And so just to let the people listening know, mm-hmm. tune in on February 25th and 26th. We're having our toast to the 10th. Okay. It's our kickoff launch kickoff for our 10 year anniversary. And Fred Minnick, my dear friend, Fred Minnick is wow. going to stream it. Cool. Live, so go to bourbonwomen.org to find okay. out more about it. You can sign up through Eventbrite. Perfect. Wow. So how do I get my wife to like bourbon? That's my question. <laughs> Cocktails. <laughs> okay. The, I've tried the women that a who, bit. yeah, the women who have always shied away because maybe they remember it like as their father's drink, mm-hmm. uh, and they didn't like it, or that you know it was too harsh. You know, like a highball is the best ginger ale. And bourbon, it's the best starter, in my opinion. And then they graduate, yeah. you know, and then they'll have an old fashioned and then they graduate and say, well, I'll try Manhattan. Sure. And then they graduate and say, I'll have it over the rock. Yeah. So it's this evolution, you know, that women who did not drink bourbon, yeah. you know, really get into. Yeah. So I've tried a little bit of that. And then, you know, every now and then I'll go, you know, what does this smell like? And I'll let her, you know, nose a glass. She yeah. goes, alcohol. <laughs> do, do the side trick. Do yeah. the side trick. Like, do I happens. smell banana or chocolate or whatever it is? So like, what right, do you, you know? Do right. you smell the difference here? No. <laughs> it it is amazing. Do the side trick. Yeah, do the side trick. It is amazing. Just the difference of uh, approachability uh, for women and men with bourbon. In the fact of my wife loves bourbon, she'll go out and there's been numerous times where I'll order one, no questions asked, and she'll say. Hey, I wanted an old fashioned. And the number of times that the, the waiter or waitress goes, you realize there's bourbon in that, right? It's just, it blows my mind. Like the, the lady, well, likes my, husband, my husband is a, uh, he loves red wine, but he also loves bourbon. And many nights we'll go to dinner and he'll order a glass of red wine and I'll, mm-hmm. and, and I'll order Manhattan. So then they'll bring it. And they'll put the Manhattan in front of him and the wine in front of me. Oh, good. That's classic. Wow. Was it, and we've got a, we had a friend, she passed away recently, but she started um, Southern Grace Distilleries, uh, Leanne Powell. Um, It was, it's a, 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 it's whiskey prison. It's a distillery in a former prison. 
And um, she was an amazing woman, but it just breaking into the bourbon industry as a woman that for her, it seemed, it seemed a little bit easy just cause she's just got this outgoing personality or had this outgoing personality, but that seemed to be very difficult. Like oh, trying to get into the bourbon industry or being the bourbon industry as a woman. Did you face any struggles like that? Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt about it. And, you know, again, I think we have advanced some, uh, we have room to grow for sure, but you are seeing more. I mean, think about this. It was the 1990s. I mean, late 1990, I guess early 2000, maybe I've lost track when I became a master taster mm-hmm. and I was the first female master taster in the world. Wow. That's not that long ago. No. Right. Yeah. I mean, 200 years, 200 <laughs> years of bourbon history. Wow. And that was the first yeah. female master taster. Mm-hmm. So, um, as proud as I am of that title, it, it strikes me now mm. that um, at the time I didn't realize what a big deal that was going to be. But now we have master distillers, female mm-hmm. master distillers, female master blenders, uh, women rising in the ranks as, you know, in marketing and executive level. So things have evolved. They're changing brand management. There's a ton of women in brand management, which I'm so proud of. Yeah. Um, but no, it was absolutely. I will never say it was easy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just I just won't paint the picture of roses because sure. I worked very, very hard and, you know, kind of had to do double time sometimes mm-hmm. just to prove myself. And um, but what I always knew is that I thought differently. And because mm-hmm. I thought differently, I think it helped me create and innovate uh, many things in our industry that traditionally you know, was thought of just, you know, status quo. So if maybe I'm a bit of a disruptor, I guess, (laughs) Uh, but I think that that's necessary sometimes to stand out. Yeah. Well, can you tell us a little bit more about the the book, which fork do I use with my bourbon? Just, um, you know, give our listeners just a, a plug of the book. We would appreciate it. Sure. Well, you know, my good friend and I wrote the book together, Susan Riegler. She's also uh, a whiskey critic with me in American Whiskey Magazine. And, uh, you know, we're kind of the Thelma and Louise of bourbon, (laughs) I guess is what we call ourselves. But um, we really wholeheartedly and sincerely wanted to teach everything we knew about bourbon hospitality and entertaining. And so we start truly with the basics of how to plan an event in your home, you know, using bourbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we move to how to do a basic bourbon tasting, you know, and, and we teach all the different styles. Then we go to basic food pairings. Then we go to advanced food pairing. You know, then we go to things like Kentucky Derby and how the other distilleries entertain. It's an incredibly visual book mm-hmm. because we want it to not only tell you how to do it, but show you how to do it. So many of the photos that you see, I shouldn't say many, I would say 90% of the photos that you see were done in my home. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We styled all of them in, in the house and, you know, the recipes and things like that um, are have been handed down. Uh, some, you know, through my family heritage, some through Susan's family heritage, some through just good old Kentucky recipes that we wanted to share. Um because we thought they were that good. Mm -hmm. We have cocktail recipes galore um, and a lot of help from our friend, 
the cocktail Contessa, who is now the president of Bourbon Women. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, and so it, it's really, again, this culmination of just our life of learning mm-hmm. in the industry, but doing it in your home. Nice. You know, letting you know that you don't have to be an expert to appreciate bourbon and have fun with it. Awesome. I can't wait to to look. I was again scrolling. Let through. me know what you think. Absolutely. Let me know what you think. I saw yeah. the uh the uh country ham and biscuits and I just I couldn't oh, get yeah. past that one. God uh, no. country. Uh, oh, come yeah. on. I know. They're so mm. Mm. Uh, yeah. so what That's what food would you pair with this uh Woodford double oak? You know, I would probably I mean you mentioned country ham and, and here's here's where I would go with it. Um country ham has a smoky note. Right. Yeah. And I, do you get a little bit of smoke out of this? I mean, I do with, with the double oak. It has that smoky, salty, and so it has a savory note. Mm-hmm. And so that smoke from this would go beautiful with it. Now, what I would do, and I know this might sound a little bit crazy, but with all that nice, sweet caramel note, um, I would probably put a little bit of a layer of orange marmalade on the country ham biscuit. Oh, come on. And yeah, I, I really would do that because I think that this has a lot of like stone fruits, not necessarily citrus, but kind of stone fruits, kind of jammy almost. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. um and I think that it would be beautiful with that. Oh, and especially man. with that wrap of vanilla. Mm-hmm. Because think of savory and sweet. Yep. You know, sometimes yeah. you know, savory and sweet. That's why people put uh like M and M's in their popcorn. Yeah, you know, awesome. because they want buttery and they want sweet and they want savory. So it's kind of like that buttery biscuit, mm. orange marmalade, yeah. country salty yeah, there's, ham. There's definitely a dark note to this. There like, is. Uh, it's it's there? not. I want to call it apple. It's not apple butter, but it has a, a like the mouth feel. It makes oh, you think of even the back, better. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I, I I could totally see apple butter on that biscuit with this. Yeah. I could totally see like, that. I, I could totally apple, see where you're going. But there's another, uh, something like a, a darker, not quite as bright as an apple. I That's can't. why I said kind of stone fruits yeah. in that. But orange marmalade to me, um, it just, I don't know. It's so easygoing mm-hmm. that it wouldn't overpower anything or take away anything. Yeah. It would only allow that sweetness overlay of caramel to get sweeter. Because orange marmalade is pretty sweet. It's not sour. It's not citrusy, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, but it has that, that peel, that zest yeah. note. Yeah, you add a little bit a of touch zest. of bitterness there. Yeah, and so think of the the rye flavor, the peppery yeah. note in this with that Absolutely. with that bitter flavor. I gotta do that. I'm gonna do this weekend. I'm gonna go to Bojangles <laughs> and get a jar. Of, you know, I'm gonna get a ketchup ham biscuit and a jar of marmalade and go to town. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, you will never regret it. Wow, I like the idea of the apple butter though. I I like that one. I could see that as well. Absolutely, I can too. I can totally see that. Now, another one that I would put with this is dark chocolate. You know, something that was like a yeah. decadent dark mm-hmm. chocolate cake. Um, I could totally see with this. Is there uh, is there a bottle of bourbon that you haven't had that you would love to have? That I have not had? Mm-hmm. Uh, well... I've had so many. <laughs> <laughs> so for us, like I, I mean, having, I'm just like that. I have not had. Oh my goodness! For us, like um, getting pappy, you'll never like. I feel like we'll never, we'll never see that unicorn. Um, so like a, a pappy twenty three, I would, you know, just die if I had some. So yeah, 
Okay, um, ten. You can tell what you're talking about. Right? <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I'm I, I'm having a hard time finding a bottle, frankly, that I really, really think is delicious. It's Colonel Taylor. The E.H. Um, Taylor. Yes. <sighs> the E.H. Taylor, I think, is absolutely fabulous, and I'm I'm just really struggling with finding it. Right. Yeah. So. Um. And so I wouldn't mind having a bottle of that. Yeah. If anybody from Sazerac's listening, um, <laughs> and and I'll tell you what I've, I and see these are things that I've tasted mm-hmm. at one okay. time and now I want one and I can't right. get one. Uh, there was a uh, a rye that was uh, done by New Rift, and it was called Balboa Rye. It was probably one of the best tasting ryes that I've ever had, and wow. I, it blew my socks off. And of course. You know, I rated it over, uh, I was a blind tasting where I first tasted it. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's blind tasting. I was dying to know what it was. And it was New Riff. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're right out of Northern Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And so I rushed to call. And I was like, gosh, can I buy a bottle of this? They were out. Mm-hmm. I mean, 100% out. And they haven't had it. Uh, but I like stumbling on those kind of, yeah. of products. Yeah, you, you brought up blind tasting there. Can't, I don't know much time, how much time you have, but... Can you talk about the different, like when you taste something by itself and then you taste it next to something like different in a blind taste, like the difference of what, well, what happens there? Yeah. Normally, um, you know, when I'm tasting, I'll do like five at a time. You know, I'll do them kind of in small lots, you okay. know, over a period of days. Uh, and so what's nice is what they do tell you is the category. You know, is it a bourbon, a rye, a malt whiskey? Because I'll we rate sure. those two, um, and so that's some of that comparison in a sense. You know, because it keeps your taste buds dancing when it's different categories. They'll tell you the proof and where it's from, uh, okay. and that's it. So sometimes I have to taste one, and then I'll write about it, uh, and I'll, I might flag it. I'll put a post-it note on it and make myself come back to it, especially if it's the first one I taste, mm. you know, if it's the very first one I taste of the day, sometimes you're, you've got to almost calculate and get your, uh, almost like calisthenics for your tongue. You yeah, know, sure. it's like you have to, you kind of have to get, you know, because you've eaten or you've brushed yeah. your teeth or, you know, so I don't want it to throw my, throw off my scent. So yeah. then sometimes mm-hmm. I'll come back to it after I've compared it. Yeah, I find that I have to have a second pour of something to really know what I'm drinking. Like to I really get a taste that. for it. Like the first one's like, uh-huh. okay, I kind of got an idea, but I need the, right. another ounce or two to really. That's right. And until you taste something else, then you go, oh my gosh, that first one was so much better. Right. I also pour them before I taste them at least 15 minutes prior. Mm-hmm. At least I let it sit. Yeah. I let it open. I let it open. If I taste. If I pour and taste, I'm I'm not doing it justice because it really needs to sit a little bit. Right. There's so much that happens there just in a little bit with it, so the much. air. Yeah. yeah. So much. I don't like tasting anything. I, a lot of times I'll, sometimes I'll just, I'll buy a bottle and just open the seal, just pop it and then put the cork back on and then wait a week yep. and then drink it. <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah. yeah. It, it, and it, it blows my mind just how it changes from the neck pour all the way down to the bottom. Like it's never the same bottle. Yeah. See, when I'm doing my blind tasting, they're all in like little jars. So I don't even know what the package is. But when I just buy a bottle, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. uh, of bourbon or I have something on my shelf, my I have this habit of of uncorking it or un, unscrewing the cap and I'll nose it in the bottle. Mm-hmm. I have this habit of doing that. And I want to get my very first impression. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I pour it and let it sit if I really want to conduct a deep tasting. But mm-hmm. I just want to know what hits me predominantly. You know, if it's a pop of caramel, if it's a pop of spice, if it's, you know, smoky or whatever. And yep. and then I see if it rings true in the glass. Yeah, that's I what happened it. to me tonight. I opened that Woodford for the first time. I, I just popped it to get the seal off for it because I poured it the first time when we started talking. Yeah. And I, I just kind of, you know, sniffed the bottle and that banana and the like the nut was there the first scent I got right. off of that. There you go. Interesting. We have somebody who's um, on the uh, chat, and they're asking, uh, which E.H. Taylor are you hunting? I don't care. Any. Any of them. <laughs> wow. Really and truly. Yeah. I, I, I'll take any of them. I, I just have not had any luck. Um, but, you know, it happens in our yeah, industry, that depresses right? me because I love E.H. Taylor, and you're more yeah. connected than I am, definitely. So <laughs> I don't have a chance, right? Well, I could call Harlan Wheatley up, I guess, and ask yeah. him for oh, a favor, yeah. but I, I try not to do that. I try not to do that. I saw where, excuse me, I saw where um, Buffalo Trace released their Angel's Envy, or their their Double Eagle Rare this week. and. Oh, did they? Boy, that's on my bucket list as well. I just want the bet. bottle. <laughs> yeah. That's the one that has yeah. the wings the on it, right? Yeah, and the one inside of it looks beautiful. Yeah. Uh, again, I appreciate your time. I don't want to take too much more of it. I, you've been so gracious okay. to us. Um, we do play a, a, a game every once in a while called 10 and 1, where I ask you oh. 10, 10 questions and see if you can get in under a minute. So okay, there's no oh gosh, pressure. I gotta like be alert. Okay, well, not really. And, yeah. and okay, it, you like taking take... bourbon than getting a pop quiz, right? Yeah. <laughs> you could take. Hey, I might minutes. do better. Actually, I might do better after having that glass. All right. Well, here we go. Uh, the best okay. hot brown in Kentucky. Brown Hotel. Where would you travel to if you could tomorrow? Hawaii. What's more likely to be true, Bigfoot or aliens? Aliens. Your favorite distillery tour? Oh gosh! Oh, I'm so. Oh, that was a stumper. Oh my god! Uh, Cuervo, honestly. Wow. Okay. Uh, I, I'm. The answer to this is no. But the question was: Is Kentucky basketball making the tournament? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> if you could, no. Uh, <laughs> if you could have dinner with someone past or present, who would it be? Maya Angelou. Mm. Uh, your the food that you're looking forward to the most during a Kentucky Derby party. Fried chicken. What was your favorite subject in school? Science. The best bottle under thirty dollars. Uh, Elijah Craig. And everybody knows their spirit animal, but what is your spirit food? Oh, is it bad if I say fried chicken again? No, absolutely <laughs> not. Nope. nope, that's allowed. That's perfect. <laughs> I think I, I think am a she sucker made it. for it. Really? Oh, did I really? I think you did. Yes, ma'am. What did I close. win? Did I win in a bottle of of E. H. Taylor? Uh, uh, so, some Elijah Craig you can have. It's, it's oh, okay. A, it's got one pour out of it. <laughs> so the the deal is, I heard of a of a story of a man who uh, he would collect scotch for his uh, his son when he was getting uh, for his birthday. So every year he got a bottle of scotch. 
mm-hmm. and he did it for 21 years. And after that 21 years, he gave the entire collection to his son. His son sold the lot and like put the money down on a, on a, on a house. Um, I think he made like $21,000 as in fact. So what I'm doing is I'm doing that with E.H. Taylor. So I, I'm going to try to do that. We nickname our the foster daughter. Barrel, right? I'm sorry? It was a single barrel, right? Or was it well, small batches? I'm doing small batch. The, okay. the name of our foster daughter is small yeah. batch, just a nickname. And so I'm trying to collect one for every year for her birthday. So I, I love that. I would part uh, one of my bottles to you, but it is, is going to hurt. That's sacred. No. <laughs> yes, and let me tell you, I relate so much to that because mm-hmm. uh, both my boys, um, my, when my first one turned 21, I had this idea that I was going to get all the different bottles from my favorite master distillers who I know personally mm-hmm. and have them sign on the mm-hmm. bottle a, a special message to him. And they did. I mean, Very like Jimmy cool. Russell and oh, Bill wow. I mean, I just loved it. And I put all of them in this collection box and bought his first silver mint julep cup. Oh, wow. For his 21st <laughs> birthday. So remember that one. Yes, ma'am. Find the julep cup. Very cool. Uh, it's going to be an amazing uh, down payment on a house or, or silver mint julep cup, or we're going to have one heck of a party. Uh, so there you go. Right. I love it. Great idea. Thank you. Uh, Producer Brian, do you have any other questions? Ryan, do you have any questions? No, thank you for being on the show. We appreciate it. Yeah, oh, it's been a ton of fun. Thanks for having me, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Well, we will, uh, at some point, I'm going to take the boys up, and we're going to go on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. Right. Maybe we can connect sometime. I'd hope so. Perfect. I'd hope so. Thank you so much. I really appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Have All a right. great Take night. Take care. And we'll talk soon. Cheers. Thanks, All everybody. right. Bye-bye. Wow. So, wow. Uh, Magic Man, did you learn anything? <laughs> I was just getting ready to say, I am not a bourbon drinker. I'm more of a beer guy. But I thoroughly enjoyed that. That was, that that was fun. awesome pour though like i've never had this i don't know I why it. i've never had this yeah i uh, that was a little background great, can't see it. that's a great bottle that's it, a great bottle of bourbon right here it's a good bottle now it smells I, great i didn't want to say this but we mm. have this is an abc pick so mm. this one's called double play so it's a little different um, yeah it's a little bit di- yeah. different but here's the deal and, and if you Just guys aren't standard familiar, yeah if you're not familiar with what double oaked is, you're like, what does that even mean? They they do the regular Woodford Reserve bourbon, and the rule for uh, for bourbon is you can only use the barrel one time, and then once that's done, once it's aged in that barrel, is done. Like that barrel is done, you pour it out, you can't use it again. Now you can. Use that barrel to make whiskey. You can, you know, use it to make beer, whatever. But for it to be bourbon, one-time use. That's it. Well, what double oak means is they get that bottle to get the bourbon out of that one barrel, and then they put it in a brand new barrel, and so it gets darker. You get way more flavor. It's way more intense, and it's just it's using another uh, barrel to to age the process. So that's why it's going to be a, a lot darker. Go ahead. Do you know the ages on this? Like how long it spends in each barrel? Has that been published? I don't know. That's a good question. I was just very curious because yeah. that's, uh, I don't know where I've been the last couple of years on this. <laughs> well, it's not, and it's relatively new. Like is the it? double okay. oak is fairly I, I new. I think I heard, I think, uh, 
Oh, was a Chris from Red Hill was talking about it at one point. Mm-hmm. He said it was really good. I, I remember him talking about it. Um, yeah. I just, I've never, I don't know why I walk by and there's certain things, you know, it's just like, this is the, the brand you can get anywhere. Like, right. This is one you walk into any bar in any place in the world. They've got this and they probably got Knob Creek, right? you know, Jack like Daniel, all the time. But, right. Yeah. Jack, you know, for bourbon though. But, right. Um, so Woodford just like I just kind of gloss by it while I'm on the shelf all the mm-hmm. time. This is a great example of a very available, even though I had to get the fun size one, not the big <laughs> one, but it's very available, very good bottle. Well, and how about our guest? How right. amazing yeah. was that? That was like, awesome. I don't want to that pass over that. That's, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm, she, to, I'm just I'm no, going to no. finish this bottle tonight. You, so. you can you can enjoy the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the guests so much. I mean, yeah, that was great. I can't, I know we call it Southern fried philosophy, but I cannot reiterate how amazing Kentucky is. I mean, she was saying like, you can, you can smell the mash bill. Well, if you're around Buffalo trace and if you're in Frankfurt at all, you just step outside and you can smell that. Like yeah. when she said that people are like consumed or like always have uh, bourbon around, it, because it's in the air, you know, it, yeah. it dissipates, it evaporates out of those barrels and it, it's all over. Like it smells yeah. different it's, in Kentucky. It's a beautiful place. I can say that I've driven, yeah. you know, I've only been, I've driven to Kentucky once, maybe three times in my life. Not many times. Mm-hmm. I'd like to go more go right. hunting, but, uh, you know, just, dr- just driving, like, you know, you cross Tennessee going into Kentucky and it's just like rolling hills and grass. Yeah. And when you get up into, you know, Louisville and Lexington, all those places. It's just like in the horse country. Oh. It's just gorgeous. It's yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Magic man, have you been to Kentucky? Yeah, actually, I was just getting ready to say um, with my prior uh, company I worked for, I, I actually have been to Kentucky many times uh, on business trips, both to uh, uh, Lexington. Uh, I actually did an install for uh, University of Kentucky. Oh, the, go uh, some of the Forgot to tell you, yep. go cats. For, for some of the <laughs> the uh, pharmacies and the hospitals there. Um, and then also I've been to uh, Eastern Kentucky uh, in coal country, mm-hmm. uh, to, to Hazard, uh, to uh, McDowell, yep. and uh, to, uh, so I've been to Pikeville, Hinman, you know, little, little towns nobody would ever hear about. And there is a, there is a Hazard, Kentucky. Yeah, there is. And, it's and not like the Dukes we of were saying, one. it's, it's not the Dukes of Hazard. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but these, these, these folks were, everybody was so friendly and um it was just it was they were great business trips and um i still actually keep in touch with some a, a couple of the folks uh, to this day mm-hmm. and it's been maybe 6 years in march since i worked for that prior company and wow. it's been 7 8 years since i've been to kentucky wow. so yeah uh so at one point gentlemen once once everything's clear covid's done well we will go on the trip it'll be it'll be a good time yeah. Uh, also, again, pick up the the book. Which fork will I use with my bourbon, or do I use with my bourbon? Um, just just flipping through it. Um, if you love bourbon, you love hosting parties, you love food, you love cocktails. Man, there's so much information in this book. It's beautiful, so the, hardbound. There's pictures, right? I heard there's pictures. Oh, dude, there's a ton of pictures. Okay, sweet. So, so it's you know, there's no pop ups. So sorry. Okay, All right, I'm, I'm okay with pictures. I like picture books. But pictures, uh, it's a great little book. So not. Not little book. I mean, it's it's a hefty thing. So we'll put the link out on our show notes. Um, man, that was amazing. That was great. 
All right, so uh, next week we have Karen Tibbles, uh, Persuade, Persuade, Don't Preach, Restoring uh, Civility Across the Political Divide. Again, don't forget to check out one of our sponsors, Free Lunch Coffee at freelunchcoffee.com. Use promo code SOUTHERNFRIED and you get 10% off your order. Again, thank you guys for tuning in to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Remember to share, like, subscribe, YouTube, all of the things. Vermont, New Hampshire, we're gunning for you this week. I'm going to make a TikTok video, so follow (laughs) us on TikTok, SFP Radio. Uh, Guys, thank you again for tuning in, and as always, keep looking up.